cliffcentral.com. All right, all right, all right. Uh, really good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is time for the burning platform. I don't want you to feel like we were having this conversation before you got to join us. We were in a little bit of a break there, but we are joined in studio this morning by Canton, who's agreed to wear his dark glasses according to popular demand from the comments section. Only for starters, so I'll take them off. Yeah, because in this shot, you look a little blind. (laughs) You do. You 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 sometimes could look like one of those guys. You should have a stick or a guide dog with those ones on. (laughs) I I need a handler, and I've got one right here. Oh yeah, Pumi's all of our handlers. Don't worry, she's uh, she's very much in charge. The other guest here is someone who I haven't seen for a long time, but it's not through uh, lack of trying. He's someone who I think is one of the most insightful people when it comes to some of those issues in South African society, the economy and politics, uh, which too few people are paying attention to. Leon Lowe uh, has been um, a man marketing the idea of the free market for the longest time. Uh, You used to be in charge of the Free Market Foundation, but you now do all kinds of other things, which we can get into in a moment or two. But Leon, it's a great pleasure to have you here. It's and thank you for joining us again. You again yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, the, and the viewers. <laughs> it's nice to see you. Yeah. So uh, we've got a bunch of things on the agenda for the Burning Platform this morning, and I can't wait to get into any of these. Pumi mentioned a little while ago, and it got quite a lot of attention on uh, the comments and in social media, the Cyril economy, which is a reality. We all have to get used to the, the fact that we are living in a country where the economy is not just not growing, it's shrinking, where everything is costing a whole lot more. I thought about this just this week because it was the beginning of the month. And I looked at the house I live in and I thought I'm paying interest on a bond. I'm paying rates and taxes, which are going up and up and up. My house insurance just, boom, went up 6.7% without them even telling me. What? Yeah. No, no, I had to fight with them about it. But it went up by just without anyone, you know, they surreptitiously just, and then someone says to me from the insurance guy, oh, you're lucky most people went up 12%. Electricity gets hiked. We know about that. It's not provided. You get less and less electricity, costs you more and more money. Um, water has now been hiked up as well. And there are just there are so many reasons to not own a property, let alone the things that you would want to do with the property, improve the property, make it nicer, perhaps put in solar, perhaps put in, um, you know, water backups and that kind of thing that most people would like to do. But it is, you're being squeezed in so many directions just for the property you own, let alone if you're stupid enough to have an investment property somewhere, which is a nightmare. I read a thing yesterday about the number of Airbnbs in Cape Town being yeah. more than more than the combined number of, I think, Vancouver. Really? And, uh, three. Ah, but in Cape Town, different like, story, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. mean... But still, you know, I, I I don't know. I wouldn't want to be. But a most landlord. of those Airbnbs are owned by people from Johannesburg because people from Cape Town can't afford them. That's <laughs> probably true about that. Something yeah, that's like true. twenty, something like twenty-one thousand Airbnb units. But if you owe a lot of money, don't worry because the government owes way more money. So let's just start with something we don't talk about. You hear the Americans talking about their national debt quite a lot because mm. it's alarming. They've got a national debt clock in New York that I've seen a couple of times, and they. They update it. They've actually run out of space on the billboard because the numbers are so long. They've had to make the billboard bigger. I kid you not. Or the font smaller. I can't remember. But what is our national debt? Leon, you, you know a bit about this. What, uh, what is our national debt as a country? And, and how has it changed since we had a slight surplus in the times of Tabo Mbeki? 
Yes, um, Tabambeku, we had a surplus, hard to remember. It's now about 64%, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't checked, so it's not accurate. It means we owe more than we have. We owe... More than we reap in a year. We owe over half of our GDP Mm. in debt. Mm. Uh, So it's 64, 60, so could be five, three. But uh, (laughs) I suppose there's a sort of something to think about, which is that we're about half in the world. I mean, there's so many, many countries are over much, 100%. Much, much worse. Yeah. So, so what, what, I, I'm not one of these people who's all doom and gloom. I'm not binary. Sure. So it's a very big problem, uh, but it's manageable. And some people, like one of my great uh, thinkers and heroes in this field, Davi Ruth, says it's not manageable. So w- what we have to do is we have to earn a lot more money, which means we have to grow the economy, and I hate saying we, because we, who is we? Businesses, people, mm-hmm. workers, right. informal traders have to grow the economy enough to service the debt. And bearing in mind the debt is not your debt. No, no, we you didn't don't own foreign this, yeah. debt. Correct. I don't. Who he doesn't? It's the government's debt. Yeah. So it's the government. Who are they borrowing this from, by the way? Because oh, wherever bor- there's a debt, there's there's someone who needs to be paid. They're borrowing mostly from South African banks, which soaks up and drives up your, your interest rates. And your but bank. is that also why South African banks are so reluctant to give ordinary South Africans loans? Yeah. Because they've already been in hock by the, the government. The government is in hock to them. Uh, and, and they're worried about that not being paid back. So they punish ordinary consumers who need loans, bonds, business loans, all that kind of thing. Because it's well, difficult it, to get it, those it, now. It, 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 it really is. a bit of confusion about banks. Banks want to lend you money. That's what they do. That's their business. <laughs> oh, They're nice. desperate to lend you money. Okay. But they're not lending their money. People forget that the banks actually, the money they're lending is someone else's, the depositors. Mm. Mm. And you know, often when want people want low interest rates from banks, they're not saying actually what they want low interest rates is for workers who put their money there. Mm. Uh, so it's a bit complicated, but the answer is yes. The banks have uh, lent money uh, to government and they lend money to the private sector as much as possible. Uh, but they're also running out of money and savers and uh, the demand when there's national debt is extremely high. The debt is the government's debt and the debt is the biggest borrower. The government's the biggest borrower. So this is also the thing the money. Minister of Finance has been talking about that we are running out of money. Yes, Minister Gondongwane is quite correct. Uh, We have run out of money and that's why you have national debt and why the budget is a lot bigger than the revenue every year. And uh, in the good old days of Mbeki where they cared about that. Now, he cares about it. I think he's one of the few people who's saying, hey, guys, this is not working. And the strange thing about it is that people, you know, people on the left, they have a very high regard of capitalism, which is what something Canton knows all about. Uh, They think it's infinitely powerful, infinitely resource producing. They want to seize the wealth. Uh, They just think it makes money and it's there. But in fact, the irony is capitalists like Canton think it's it's fragile. <laughs> they think the economy is fragile. So the irony is socialists <laughs> have a higher regard for capitalism than capitalists. They think it's omnipotent. 
They think it's a bottomless pit. Well, they, they don't will, understand how money's made. And they, will, they don't understand, and it's just there, and they're just going to seize it and take it and put it in the government and spend it's it. It's like a, like a child. The only <laughs> metaphor I can draw for this is, is that it's like a child who thinks that their parents have infinite money to yes, buy them toys. That is That's right. what a socialist these is. These are just, children. It's just someone are, who hasn't grown up. They're infantile economically. Now, I'm not saying Gurungwana is a socialist. What no. I'm saying is within government and within society, we have many of these people who think, there's this infinite amount of money there just to be taken. What's the problem? And it isn't. And finally, people are beginning to realize, as Maggie Thatcher famously said, the trouble with socialism is you run out of other people's money. They are running out of other people's money. Mm. And that's… I know you're itching to say something, Kent. No, I actually agree 100% with all of the stuff that Leon is saying. The issue that we have in terms of our debt is… Debt is actually an essential component in every country's ability to actually develop itself. Mm. In exactly the same way at a personal level, most of us can't afford to buy a car for cash. Yeah. But we need a car to be able to get to work and to be productive. So, in other words, we'll end up borrowing money from the bank. We'll buy a car that allows us to go to work, that allows us to earn money, that grows the economy. Mm -hmm. The problem that we've got in our country is that we are borrowing money in order to pay social grants. Right. Which is a sinkhole. It's, it's non-productive debt. And, and that's the single biggest problem that we have. We go back to the, the Tabo Mbeki era. So the first thing he did when he became president was he told Trevor Manuel, pay off the national debt. And then once Trevor Manuel had paid off the national debt, because remember, debt was the single biggest item on our budget at the time that Tabo Mbeki came to office. Then once he paid off the debt, Tabo Mbeki then took that windfall that he had from the fact that we're not paying debt anymore and put that into social grants. And it was fantastic because effectively that was um, uh, injecting money into the market, mm -hmm. which, you know, led to the biggest sustained period of economic growth that we had in this country. So, that, and now we're borrowing in order to pay the social grants and it's, it's unsustainable. It's like people were giving uh, Becky grief again this morning around his... Uh, policy of not splurging money on antiretrovirals because, you know, Jerry Kovadia died in, in Durban, UDF leader from back mm. in the day, and he fought Mbeki on this point. And I was one of those people who 100% agreed with Mbeki. You're going to be taking, at the time, $120 per person to give them antiretrovirals, and they're non-productive people, and it's a sinkhole. We're back in that same situation right Ooh, now. Oh, but when you talk about non-productive people, that creates a whole other chasm and an opportunity for people to cut you off at the… At That's the, true. Sure, let them go for it. I mean, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. Leon, you… Before we go into like a general discussion of some of the things that are going on in South Africa at the moment, there is something in particular that I love hearing from you about because it is something which is made to be a controversial conversation in South Africa but actually is quite solvable. Um, that being the question of property rights. And I will never forget a lecture I went to that you gave ages ago about how if we just gave people title deeds for the property that they have possessed <laughs> for sometimes 100 years, you have families Generations. In, 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 in townships and rural areas in South Africa that have they've been on and owned and effectively run that property as if it were theirs for sometimes three, four generations – they don't have a title deed, so they don't have anything they can borrow against because if you don't have that, you're not going to get a loan. They cannot 
build or change or improve the property if they needed to. They can't set up a small business there because they don't have any of the documentation they need. It's almost as if whenever you bring up the land, it's an opportunity for the EFF to talk about inequality and <laughs> talk about redistribution. Yes. But nobody actually wants to talk about why we don't have, for most of the black population of this country, automatic title deeds being assigned for property they're already in possession of. Yes, uh, just unless somebody nailed me for this, I said 63, 64% uh, debt, but it's actually 73, 74. Okay, just, uh, sorry, correct. Because uh, people okay. like me get into trouble no, over such good. things. All right. uh, yes, what you mentioned there is for me the single biggest thing in South Africa. Now, let's just put it in perspective. There is nothing that comes within spitting distance of the empowerment potential of issuing a piece of paper to people who already have the assets. Uh, as the famous uh, Peruvian economist and De Soto said, uh, the poor are actually rich. They sit on dead capital, which they may not trade, may not mortgage, no. may not let. And what you need to do is have this liberated capital. And, and by the way, there's no one in most of these cases who's contesting their ownership of that property. No, no, there's no. We, we've had dispute resolution mechanisms where over 100,000 properties with which I've been involved have indeed had title deeds issued. And there have been a few disputes. All of them were resolved before they actually appeared before the dispute resolution tribunal, which in most cases I chaired in traditional communities and uh, right. old homelands and so So what's holding us back? If I were the ANC, <laughs> this would be the best ploy to win all of the votes in the next election. I don't understand politics. I, I'm just, it's just a mystery. I think any political party that gets up there and says, if you vote for us, you will become a landowner. You know, it's, it's really, and th that means an asset worth on average something like 400,000, 500,000 rand around the country, some much lower, some much higher, and uh, the cost is close to zero. Now, why don't they do it is they just, <laughs> I hate to say such a strong word as stupid, but they do not have people who know how to do it. Any number of municipalities and provinces and the central government have decided to issue title Leon. deeds. It just doesn't happen. It boggles <laughs> the mind. I mean, if you just issued these title deeds to people, which is really just a process. You yeah. could set up a special court to do it. Yeah. It would take very few resources by comparison with the resources yeah. that we spend on education, social welfare, and all the rest of it. You would instantly create wealth. We do it for about 2,000 rand per property. 2,000 rand is converted overnight to 400,000 rand. Now, <laughs> what better rate of... Now, does it give you some I've idea? I've got to say that I donated money to that particular... Yes, uh, yes. Uh, many people, many uh, private yeah. people do. It's actually very mm. touching and moving. Mm. You know, a housewife in Houghton, uh, a housewife in Linden, will just give one a month. Uh, the mayor of uh, Paris <laughs> municipality, which that's the name most people know it by, she donates one a month. She pays for it. Good it cause. And, and, and this is the, and she was one, by the way, was, she jokes when she hands it out about how Leon Lowe, she didn't trust me. She thought, <laughs> what's this funny old white Afrikaner coming here for and telling us to do something for black people? Uh, yeah. So. You wanted to ask something, Paul? No, well, I want to ask about this concept that, you know, once you have this title deed, you can borrow against it. Mm. And the assumption is that people are going to borrow against it and do something good. But isn't this just a South African problem, getting more people into debt? 
Now, Pumi, this is, that, that's very important to address, and uh, politicians you might surprise by have raised that with me. In other words, they ought to have a different view. I'm not saying you should. But the, let's understand this very carefully. When uh, Christo Visa, for example, and many private people, Johan Rupert by far the biggest, these so-called bad guys, uh, spends millions on registering deeds for people, they get nothing back for it. And when Christo Visa handed over one of these, it was one of the most moving scenes any of us has seen. Uh, a woman called Miriam Matupi was wheeled in on a wheelchair. She was 100 years old. And when he handed her the title deed, she wept. And journalists, without wanting to be rude, said, why is it so moving for you? And they didn't want to say, because you're going to die soon anyway, which is what was on their minds. And she said, as she held the thing to her chest, now I can die with dignity and I have something to leave my grandchildren. It's not about mortgages. It's not about raiding finance. It's about the worst crime of apartheid was to deny black people property rights. It's pride. It's the right of ownership. So she had been living, she said, for 50 years in a pre-94 four-roomed house, which was never hers, and she was always insecure. She could be evicted at any time. Her neighbors were being evicted. Finally, it was hers. And it was that psychological moving fact that is most important. Now, let me give you some numbers quickly. You mentioned mortgage and finance. Now, the banks don't want to mortgage property at that level. It's too small. But what you are when you've got a liquid asset is you are what's called bankable. In other words, they will finance you. Small business, education, healthcare, whatever it is. And most importantly, you have a piece of the pie. Yes. Something to lose. Yes. Something to care about. And as you say, something to hand on to and your grandchildren, down. your children, or whatever. And, and a, a measure, a modicum of being taken seriously dignity, yes. by the financial sector in this country instead of just being a serf. I know. And, and, and what's more is they uh, – the problem is that black South Africans on average – and I hate using black, white, whatever, mm, sure. generalization. Please forgive me for shorthand. Uh, do not actually trade the property when they get it. They're so used to their parents and their grandparents just sitting on this plot – which they can occupy but they keep not it. own. They, they, just, they live there as wards and tenants of the state, which were Fervut's dream, by the way, the ghost of Fervut. I don't know where you know if you know where the ghost of Fervut is. He's in Latuli House. <laughs> and he's there because he says, if I knew the ANC would implement my land policies, I would have given them power long ago. Fervut's dream was all black people living on government land. That still is the truth. And uh, that's what we have in traditional land. We have in the pre-94, we have in RDP, where they have these eight-year uh, preemptive clauses, which means that for eight years, it's not really your land. But let me give you some numbers quickly. It's, it's staggering. FNB has calculated that the value of land held by black people, but not owned by black people, is above 400 trillion rand. Closer to close to the full GDP. Now, such numbers mean nothing to anybody, including me. So let's give it a. It is about two thirds, nearly full, if you if you take it to what they really estimated was about six. Mm -hmm. That's the entire South African economy that can be handed over. We can double the size of the economy overnight if everyone gets their deed, and uh, it's three times the annual budget. So this is the amount of wealth 
that is dead capital. Now, let's get to you mentioned EFF and so on. Uh, I'm all for land reform and redistribution. Uh, it was the worst crime of apartheid, but how to do it? What we can do is we can turn something like about 8 million black people into landowners that will treble the size of the stock exchange. There will be many more black landowners than white landowners. The value of the land will be more. And so this is the, what, we, they, what we're doing here. We're sitting on this Fervurtian legacy that blacks may not own land. Now, I've had... And that's not even touching on the feudal mechanics around traditional... No, no. And, and by the way, everyone says... You know, trusts and all of that stuff. Traditional leaders don't want people to own land. And I always say, who asked them? I no, have. No, yeah, I've been around and asked, and none of them are opposed to it. They all just want development. And this is a meme created by, if I may say, left-wing social scientists, academics, and universities created this belief that somehow traditional leaders don't want their, their people to own land. That's just not true. It is true of some, but, but, but it's not true of many. So we're talking about here something that is on a scale. And, and I, mean, I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning Paul Harris, one of the founders of First Rand, First National Bank. Uh, when I used to speak to him and Sisbe and Klasana, who was then the CEO, about this, they glazed over. I saw them year after year and I said, put money into this. And one day Paul Harris called me and he said, let me just think about this. These numbers you're talking about. He said, you know, it's too big. We can't, even bankers can't get their brain around that. He said, what you have to do is reduce it to a local level. Choose a municipality and work at that level with that land. People can grasp that. And he and they were the first people to put money into this. Where was, the, where was this done? In, in Paris. Okay. But I sent you guys a link to mm. the article I wrote about but, it. At the but time. I'm also <coughs> thinking about the number we were talking earlier, Gareth, about mm. the upkeep, the the rates, the taxes, all of that stuff. Mm. And I'm also thinking about the number of houses, not just in the township but in rural areas, that I have seen fall into disrepair oh. simply oh. because the the person, and not because they don't care, but also simply because they just cannot afford to upgrade, upkeep these houses especially when it goes to the next generation. So Auntie, whoever is 100 years old, and she says, I can leave this to my kids. Yeah. And, and those kids don't allow this thing to fall, asset to fall into yeah. disrepair. So it doesn't compute for me. We have many, many of these where we photograph them before the title and then we photograph them six months or a year after the title and you will be amazed at what happens. All of a sudden, mm. this old dilapidated forum pre-94 apartheid house, township house or location as we used to call them, uh, or they used to call them, uh, all of a sudden their piles of bricks and their windows being put in and gardens being built and the change that happens to people is breathtaking. And is But it also happens in the other direction. I'm thinking about Dube in Soweto. Yeah. Where that Dube, which is where Maponya is from, which used to be a, a really upmarket suburb and as it were used to live. but and yeah. no Winnie lived in Orlando but I'm oh, sorry Orlando yeah, yeah yeah but when you go there today mm. and see how dilapidated those houses are and how they've fallen into yeah. disrepair so w th that's what I'm saying really doesn't compute or my aunt in clones in a village out uh Near Dundee. Yeah, but they don't have a title deed. Give but they do. No, in they Dube don't. They no, no, do. that, that's a scam. That's in Dubai, they do. No, let me be clear. 
Uh, when people say they have title deeds, I say, show me one. And I've been shown many, many of these so-called title deeds. They are never kosher. kosher. They're issuing them in Alex now, a thousand title deeds. But if you look at it, and I've had it checked by conveyance. I'm a conveyancer historically, but I've checked by others. All agree it is not actually a legitimate or kosher title deed. Look, I don't think it's going to be a cure-all for our economic woes, but it would certainly help to suddenly create liquid capital, even mm. if it's just in terms of owning. I mean, mm. I wouldn't want to spend a single cent on a property I was renting or that I didn't own or you to just, improve it you, in you, the long you term. You could be evicted by the local township manager. Correct. Now, Although the, the this is, is an interesting that you raise, that you say these people think they have titled this, but they're not titled deeds. So how are, does a person know? Yes, you can go to Longa where all the properties have supposed title deeds. I've driven around Longa. I go to people. I say, are you the owner? They say, yes. I say, show me the title deed. They say, I've never seen one. So I then inquired and under Helen Zilla as mayor, it turns out all the title deeds of Longa were in filing cabinets in the city council. And I said, would you do that to white people? We, they won't appreciate them. They'll lose them, whatever, whatever. What and, the hell? And, really? And, and they, th- we cannot in a black run, so, and, and I mentioned there, but it's all of them. They do not trust black people with title deeds. And the government. Is black people. The provincial, the local, the, the provincial national. Local. Now, now they, they say that, oh, but they'll sell and they'll become indigent and they'll get drunk and so on. And I say, would you say that about white people? The answer is no. It's now we're talking outrageous. about everyone of all races now trust white people, not black people. That has to change. It's despicable. That's institutional. Yeah. It's a, it's a legacy of apartheid that black people cannot be trusted with land. And, and how it survives a generation after apartheid uh, with young people like you, if I may say, compared to me, is just astounding. It's just astounding to me. And the answer is the the problem is that those deeds are dubious. The bank accountants and lawyers and auditors and conveyances look at them and say, We're not so sure about this. I can go into all the detail as to why they are phony. Uh, but when we issue them, we issue a genuine, what's called in law, a full title, a clean title. There are no preemptive clauses, no restrictions, no you, you don't have to get somebody's permission to resell. They're freely tradable. Now, as you well know, the properties in the black areas trade. People buy and sell them all the time. So that 90% of the RDP properties, by the time they become clean title, are no longer the person who the government thinks is the owner. So hmm. the government deed registry has millions of black landowners, but they aren't landowners. They've, they've gone. Someone else is there. So uh, the chaos is beyond belief. Now, what we need to do is, is understand that those people, once they have the emotion, the psychology, they are finally liberated and respected. They go home with a tin of paint instead of a bottle of brandy. That's what changes. Overnight, those houses change. Now, you talk about those in Dubai and Orlando and in Alex and elsewhere where they supposedly own a, as I always say to everybody, show me the deed. Now, most of them have never seen a deed. And if you do go to the municipal office and draw one out of a filing cabinet and look at it, it's a sham deed. But So we still haven't addressed how individuals 
know that what they have is not what they should have and and how it computes to it, the equity that you're talking about. So if a person is sitting, people have lived in those houses. These are the grandchildren, not mm. the owners, but the grandchildren of oh, these owners often, in those houses. You, often so fifth how generation, do they yeah. know? Yes, and that's got to be a community exercise. So again, for FNB and other banks are now involved. I don't want to uh, do them discredit, but FNB was the pioneer. Uh, and what they have done is they've, they've everyone who gets a deed gets a little okay. brochure that explains what owning land means. And this is really... I mean, so this is like voter education. Yeah. We have lots and lots of people who have the right to vote in this country, but they don't know what that entails. They don't know about all the other democratic processes that they mm. could participate in. That's I mean, right. this is something we go on about all so the time. So there has to be... So we need to do some education. Rudimentary uh, education, not a lot. So I'm, I'm sorry to draw this to... What are the implications of owning? People need to know that. I'm sorry to draw this to a close, but we've got quite a lot of things we can get into today. Among them, things that are happening right now, other things that you've got some ideas you could share with us about solving our three biggest problems, which are inequality, poverty, unemployment. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I'm going to let Canton, who's been the most quiet, for I mean, this is a rare occasion when Canton's <laughs> absolutely chip still. Well, this is kind of like unscrambling an omelette. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. What, the, do you want to, so, what do you want to bring up this morning? Well, there's, there are all of the things that uh, that Pumi was raising, and they're, and they're actually valid things. So, you know, to put this in perspective, the biggest single chapter that I've got in my book that's coming out shortly is addressing very specifically this problem of land distribution, land ownership, and all of the stuff that goes with it. The problem that Pumi was uh, talking about also ties into the lack of regulation of the banking sector. And I say this in the context of the fact that, so a bank will give you a loan in order for you to buy a vehicle. They will not give you a loan in order for you to start a business because of this entire concept of risk profiling. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what happens in terms of spaces where there actually are title deeds, but because the area has been redlined by the bank. Mm. Okay, and, and what happens in that particular case is that the bank says that this area is actually too um, risky, potentially risky. So, in other words, if you end up selling, uh, if if we, uh, you know, we need to foreclose and uh, sell the property, we're not going to get our money back. So, we are not going to then lend you money. And the problem with that is that there's a ripple effect because once an area is redlined, it means that people have no incentive to actually improve the properties sure. in those areas. And more often than not, the first people who are going to move into those areas are people who are trying to upgrade from shacks. Mm. Or so, people from foreign countries who are coming here to try and make a living. Well, that They'll is, take whatever they can get. Yeah, They'll rent well. the room in yeah. the RDP So, so instead of a scenario where the banks first and foremost you know, should be assessing your, your loans on your ability to pay based on where your current source of employment happens to be, that right. needs to be the most crucial thing that happens. But banks don't do that because um, they end up trying to – I never thought I'd hear the words, we need more regulation <laughs> no, no, absolutely. from you. No, no, we absolutely need regulation of the financial sector. I'm okay. taking a look at figures from yesterday, okay, a breakdown of our 6.6 .6 trillion um, rand economy. Mm -hmm. The financial sector is the single mm. biggest sector, okay, it's 1.39 trillion. Now, the problem that our financial sector has, well, the problem that we have with our financial sector is that our financial sector is actually not adding value to the economy. 
Okay, let, let's be very clear about the financial sector doesn't <laughs> create jobs. The financial sector is extractive. What they are doing is they are taking a percentage of every transaction that happens in the country. So every time you swipe uh, a credit a card, yeah, it's, it, a it's, it's fundamentally a tax. And now the problem that we've got is now that you've got new entrants into the field, and you know, uh, a shameless plug for Michael Jordan here, who's actually been. You know, just showing how phony the entire financial sector has been because of the fact that he's able to completely slash the transactional cost of banking mm-hmm. and still run a profitable business. And that means that more and more people are going to be moving into that business model. So you're seeing the likes of Time Bank uh, as another example. Mm-hmm. And that means that the bottom is going to continue to fall out of that, um, Good. that financial Good. sector. So, yeah, there's going to be an overall reduction in uh, in our GDP as a direct result of that, so all of these pieces put me they they come together, you know. So the title deeds is a crucial piece of the puzzle. The but then actually putting pressure on the financial services sector to actually be more equitable in the way in which money is actually made available to the masses, because the rate of default, I must tell you, if you look at studies around the world, the rate of default among poor people is no worse than the rate of default among rich people. Hmm. But the profit margins on poor people right now are significantly higher, which goes back to um, these guys, telcos. Mm-hmm. Okay, Why is it that I pay a lower call per minute, even though I'm getting my airtime on credit, than a person who pays cash up front? Yeah. You know, so well, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all of these bits and pieces that kind of come together. The short answer of how you're fixing the economy. No, no, no. I don't want us to, to, to be in a rabbit hole around this. Because the, the thing for me is, and whether we're talking about properties in Adam's Mission, for instance, where people are not getting loans to build those houses. People are taking five, seven years to build enormous houses in those, on those stands. They own the land. They have, you know, they have, they have access to these. And then they've built these houses. And they have no... Because banks will not will not allow the next person to spend to buy that house with a loan for a million rand, even that though that is what it is worth, you know. So we'll be in a rabbit hole. I'm it. just on this. I'm not here to defend the banks, but I do want <laughs> everyone to understand that the banks are not lending their money. Uh, no. Banks are actually not rich. Uh, it's the depositors' money they're lending. So if you want them to be more liberal and more generous, remember that what you're saying is they must be more generous with some laborer who has a deposit account. Correct. And, and so be careful. All I'm saying is no. be mindful of the fact that banks are actually, firstly, the people who control them are, have a very small percentage of the share. The shareholders have a very small percentage of the wealth. And I'm not denying what Canton says at all. I'm simply saying beware that remember when a bank lends money, they're lending your money, right. not their money. So we'd rather have them being careful in that respect you want because we've to, seen what happens when they default. You have to have the banks being mindful or all of us being mindful of the fact that the majority of money they have is the money of the poor. It's the peasant farmer. It's the informal trader. It's the taxi operator. These are the people who make deposits and the rich borrow. And this is So how the people who are on the side of borrowing are the privileged ones and you – Obviously, when you borrow, you want cheap money. 
Yeah. But bearing in mind whose money you're borrowing <laughs> and you're, money, you're borrowing the money of poor people. And this is why those CEOs make hundreds of millions well, a you, year. Well, you wanted to talk about, and we didn't get to this in the first hour of the show, but Pumi said she, told, she checked yesterday 122.4 million rand for the CEO of Woolworths. That's his salary. That's what he earned this 122. year. 122.4 million rand for making us buy those terrible bags <laughs> so that he can flash his environmental credentials the next time he gets to Davos so he can yeah. tell his friends and family he went to Davos. I don't even know who this person is, by yeah. the way. Yeah. I don't know who the CEO of Woolworths mm. is, but they're constantly telling me to be more woke. Mm. Their prices are high. Mm. The stuff is not cheap in any way, shape. And the bank CEOs are no better. Ba- it's exactly the problem. So again, we just increase this uh, inequality. And I'm not a big fan of like talking about equality because I think it's a, it's a pipe dream. You're never going to have any kind of absolute equality. Inequality may even be the point for most people. Oh, inequality is desirable. Of course it is. to understand that. <laughs> of course it is. To, yeah. there's, if, yeah. the people everyone the aspires very, to be better, like right. your friend without the fence. Correct. Everyone wants to be there. But, um, you know, if Steve Jobs goes into and rescues I, uh, the, the Apple. Apple from bankruptcy and it's worth billions, to pay him a billion is cheap. Yeah. No, 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 sure. I don't, I don't want to necessarily go down this uh, no, genie coefficient rabbit hole either. But no. let's just talk about some other things. So uh, he's agreed to come in for an interview. And I see, Canton, you wanted to talk about Chris Pappas, who has now been nominated as premier for KZN in the DA. Yeah, and I was thinking, what an. Uh, so let, let's be very clear the DA is not going to end up. Running KZN. The, running KZN and choosing the premier of KZN. So they're wasting their time. So they're wasting a guy who's working a really good job in a Who's doing a fantastic right. job. If you look in terms of what Papas is doing on the ground mm-hmm. um, out there, all you are saying to the voters is that we are so short of talent, of talent to put forward that we have to take the one guy who is actually in all of KZN proven that he can make things work on a very small level. And instead of building on that base – and waiting until the next election, uh, the next municipal election, at which point they can say, look, Papas has turned around Guinea municipality. Let's now put him in to run a Tequini. Yeah. Or, or yeah. like, how about a second term? Would that be so bad? He's young. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's no, young. But, but a Tequini is, so there is a strong possibility that the DA can take the municipality because there's enough of a groundswell among ratepayers in, uh, in Durban for them to actually force the ANC out uh, in that scenario. But this entire idea of just taking the same people and trotting them out over and over again, instead of developing new talent, it's it a does huge, show that it's a huge, Yeah, it's a huge <laughs> but, point of frustration. But we do also have a, a system, a political system, that really is built around superstars, right? It's Whether it's Julius Malema, whether it's Cyril Ramaphosa, whether it's Musi Maimane, what we have is we have... Almost all the political parties are a cult of personality mm. in one mm. way or another. And all that the DA is doing is they are following this tried and tested formula that they have. They say, we've got a superstar here, and because we have the superstar, we're going to put him here. And he's going to be the superstar in this environment, and they hope that it will pull voters. This, this is happening in America, too. I mean, a guy can run a state really well, and then they say, well, we've got to make him our presidential candidate. <laughs> Maybe it's not the right thing. Listen, I want to beg your indulgence. I'm going to break rules this morning because we can, right? We can do whatever we want on this show. I want to 
add 15 minutes to this, if you don't mind, to get to the international stuff. So after eight, we're going to do an extra 15 minutes. That's Is that fine. okay? Right, good. So let's just stick to South Africa for a little bit. Don't we love on radio? We can do whatever we like. Um, someone said, I have heard this Leon Lowe. It's easy for him to say this, but what does he say about all the money that's been stolen? Someone said. Um, so Leon, defend yourself there. I mean, you have been very vocal about what BEE has done to the country, what ESCOM and parastatals have done to the country. Have your moment on the soapbox about that so that people don't think you're a one-trick pony because they've heard you for the first time this morning. Mm. Go on. Yes. Well, let's start off what have the days done to the country. Uh, <coughs> I'm not binary. These things are not white or black, to use the South African awkward cliché. Mm -hmm. I wish there were in a better way of saying Well, also, that. if you say you're not binary these days, that could mean we don't know whether it's a man <laughs> or a woman. So. Ah, yes. All right, but, 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 the, but the point is, let's see. Uh, B, uh, I think any decent human being wants transformation, racial transformation. We right. want to see a progressive right, system right. that includes more people. Now, watch. Sure. I had a phone call yesterday from an American industrialist who's invested in South Africa. I don't have his permission to mention his company. And he said he's selling his company. Why is he selling it? Because he supplies heavy uh, equipment to the mining companies and particularly, and I don't think I can, uh, I need to be shy about this, Sassel. Mm -hmm. And what happens is, that he has to sell to them through an intermediary, a BE intermediary. And as he says, the person's only qualification is skin color. They do nothing else. They rake off something like 20 or 30%. They live in… Add no value. Add no value. They have no and value. And they're politically connected. That's why they, they get the all deal. All they have yeah. is color. And he said this is ridiculous. He's not willing to run a business. So he who's been a big investor in South Africa is leaving. Put off. South Africa, mm -hmm. and he says, I can't run a business like this. Uh, and, and he's making money, but he says this is just disgusting. It's he's easier just, to make it somewhere ethically, else. Ethically, he will not do it. And, uh, so, and it's also more ethical elsewhere. So this is the sort of thing now, uh, BE is very important. Black economic empowerment. When I say that 8 million black people should get households, that's BEE. That's black economic empowerment. When I say that the government should remove all the laws that protect big, mostly white businesses against small, mostly black businesses, formal, informal, for whom I work, for example, the Joburg City Council chased 7,000 informal traders off the streets yep. in 2014, you might recall that there was a constitutional court order telling the council to let them back onto the streets, but what you won't know is who was behind it, and the answer was me. In other words, I went to court. It was the first time ever the constitutional court has had a summary hearing, no pleadings, no anything, had the hearing mm -hmm. instantly, didn't go via the high court, and within a month it issued a unanimous decision. The council had to let 7,000 informal traders back onto the streets. But they're still now, victimizing them. Of course they are. They yeah. chase them with dogs and horses and cats. And there was one that I dealt with in Yeovil who had her finger pulled off. Her finger was ripped off when they grabbed her basket of fruit and pulled it away. This is the mm. kind of cruelty and inhumanity. Now, the point is… These are the same people who tell us that the economy needs more regulation and that regulation favors big business. Yeah, of course. Right. Big business can cope with regulation. Small business can't. So, you can and it's actually made to protect 
big businesses. Because the they're in the way that BEF and they lobby is and made they to protect to the big business. Yeah. Absolutely. And they've got so, a team of lawyers so who fulfill all the stupid conditions. If you want economic empowerment and liberation and transformation, start by stopping. Stop the oppression. Stop the restriction. Get rid of this legacy of apartheid. Just be careful. You carry on talking like this, they'll call you a left winger. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, on this, I'm radical left wing. Okay. Uh, yeah. the, the legacy of apartheid, every town and village has a market street. Mm -hmm. If you say why, well, the answer is there used to be a market. What is it now? It's a park and a church and other Or a shopping there. center. Toilets, toilets. <laughs> and, uh, and now what happened is that those markets were black people pre-apartheid Trading, rising, buying shops, doing well, farming, they were all shut down. And so now what we need to say is, uh, and all the zoning laws, township laws, mm -hmm. every spaza shop, every tuck shop, every backyard operator, everyone making burglar bars and fixing cars and computers is unlawful. Now, it's not that they just leave them alone. They get bribed by police. They right. go in and say, "I'll leave them alone," but you have to pay them. To you leave have to you pay. Alone. You have to pay off. So, so what we need stop to nonsense. stop? Mm. We need to do good by stopping the harm. Okay. Stop hurting people. Right. And yeah. so, all of these people who talk about BE, I don't really care what color a director is of a big corporation, who the shareholders are. People talk about who owns the economy. They have no idea. There's no data on it. It's a big lie. It's a fib. When they say 80% of the land belongs to us, 70% or whatever, no one has the slightest idea who the land belongs to. It is nonsense what they're talking about. What, we don't have a clue? No, there's a no, we have, but I think that, no that, we have no clue. I there, think that, there's no way of knowing who owns a farm. No way of knowing. What if they mean? drive past and it looks good, they assume it's white, which is a very racist lot of nonsense. But nonetheless, that's it. The, the, these, these, these are registered in the names of companies in the deeds registry and they don't have race. So all of these numbers, huh. and if somebody says 80% of the land, Gareth, what do they mean? 80% by area? That means the Kalahari, economic is, value. the Kalahari is worth the same as, as, as Houghton? No. No. Okay, so... Area, which is the implication, is meaningless. It's a stupid number. So do they mean by value? No, they don't. Nobody's ever done that calculation, I can assure you. This is something I know about. So do they mean by use? Is it agriculture or residential? No, it's also very difficult to ascertain. So, so there's in everybody's mind, it's farms. Mm -hmm. Now, farms are what? 5% of the GDP? It's nothing. The all the land in farms, all the value of all the farms put together is less than the cost overrun at Madupi. So in other words, it's, it's nothing in the economy. So, so this is all psychology. If you want the actual yeah, but numbers. It, it's persistent. I mean, it's it comes persistent. up every time we need an issue to get the politicians to fire people up, they talk about this stuff. So what you do is you stop harming you remove all the controls and restrictions on the zoning laws and the building codes. So when, when people, low-income people, build a house, they don't have some building inspector saying, but you don't have a ceiling. And you don't have a the ceiling height ratio is wrong. And you don't have the right type of bricks and so on. <laughs> you, you want to say… But fortunately, and, and Leon, that's happening already. 
No, it's not. Yeah. Not lawfully. No, no, not lawfully. But, <laughs> but, 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 but people just <laughs> disregard the law. Yeah. I work mm. with the mm. uh, one of the biggest and poorest uh, um, informal settlements, and so it's called informal. <laughs> the informal sector is neither informal nor is it a sector. <laughs> so it's a, it's a ridiculous term. But nonetheless, uh, Inu Kuruleni called Marathon and Delport, one of the biggest and poorest in the countries. And I, oh, I would love to take you there and meet the people and see what wonderful people live there. They're dignified. I don't know how they come out of a single tin shack with eight people living in it. Their clothes are clean. They're ironed. It's, just a, it's a miracle to me. And I, even as I say this now, I get goose flesh. I'm inspired by these people. Mm-hmm. Now, you go there. If somebody replaces their tin shack with a brick structure, the city council comes and bulldozes it down. They're never going to move them away. In other words, what they're saying is it is a criminal offense to improve, improve your own living standards if you're poor. If you're a black person living in Marathon or any other of the 4,000 informal settlements in South Africa, if you improve your own quality of life, it is a criminal offense to do so. And they will bulldoze it down. Now, this is being done now by uh, councils run by the IFP, the ANC, the DA, in the new South Africa, that's why I say the ghost of Furvurt had no idea that things would ever be so good. <laughs> well, <clears throat> but you know, we were talking about BE and the fact that BE protects large white businesses much more. I mean, we have a business and we're not even a level one and we're black people. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Never mind up. the fact that yeah. we have to go to somebody to verify that yeah, we're actually great. black people. Uh, yeah. And all of those things. <laughs> and how do they do it? There's no race classification. So yeah. it's just it's all a it's racist farce. Yeah. And 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 I, I I always find it fascinating that nobody talks about the fact that the concept, the the concept of BE came out of a think tank, the Brenthurst Foundation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And was initially penned by Nikki Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. but you know it's these one are things, of those things we that just we, don't we talk just about. accept so much of this stuff is the point, right? And when we actually dig just a little bit deeper, we find out that these are actually problems that could be solved if people knew about them. A and, and Gary, B, there was political. Gareth, the the obsession with what happens for to a few hundred people, maybe a thousand, at the upper level. Yeah, yeah. People we should be talking people. about 60 million people yeah, of course. who are down there being told they may not build mm-hmm. a house, they may not run a business, they may not employ themselves. This is, you know, if, if we could get to think of black economic empowerment as black people on average in South Africa, not a few billion, I don't care about the billionaires, by the way, the, the, earnest, <laughs> the income of the person of Woolworths is irrelevant to me. It, it doesn't excite me. At all. What excites me... It should me, enrage us all. What Why? excites me... I'm not a shareholder in Woolworths. You know, I don't shop at Woolworths. I mean, frankly, I but don't But when care. you're if paying it, 100 rands for 18 eggs... Well, why are you shopping at Woolworths? Go somewhere else. Go, go to somewhere the, else. Go, go, but this is, go this is across... It's not just Woolworths. I because if you, you look at the, at the earning of Checkers and their CEO... And we were talking about Sean Summers, who's coming back to pick and pay after all these years. All of that. Pumi, why do you care about them? Why don't you care no, about don't the care millions about of them. people? I care about the millions the of millions people living in who villages. cannot afford the <clears throat> food because they have to make this 
completely absurd profits well, so that the CEOs can be paid like this. The problem is that the, when they produce their own food as peasant farmers or backyard operators or agriculture, agribusinesses in townships where they grow stuff, they are banned. They okay, are but, but confiscated. Now, yeah. we're, so we're talking about the price we of eggs. What did you say? What you. did you say eggs cost now at Woolworths? Yeah, ninety-seven rand. Okay, and apparently there's a bit of an egg shortage on at the moment. There is yes, because, because of there bird was flu. a bird flu. Uh, it's okay. quite a scramble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, quickly. You know, so, okay. we, I do want us to get onto the international stuff in a second. You also had comments about the NHI, which I always think are valuable because there are suddenly a bunch of bills that they're trying to pass in desperation. We all know that this is because the ANC itself is nervous about what might happen it's in the, the election next year. Yeah. Sure. So they, they're trying to get some wish list bills to pass. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are you concerned about the NHI and why? And, and can you tell us succinctly what you think of things like uh, – you know, these parastatals, which are being now, you know, Pravin has this idea of putting them all into one big... Do not talk to me about Pravin. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that somehow you, you rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic and it'll float. Yeah. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And that we should consider somebody who's over 60 yeah. as the CEO so, of... So let's get in <laughs> child. Over 60. Who do you think he's talking about? Yeah. Well, firstly, NHI needs to be understood. It's called National Health Insurance, but it's the opposite of insurance. It's the prohibition of insurance. Mm. You may not give health insurance in South Africa. It's banned. Now, people don't understand that. It's prohibited. What we do have is we have medical schemes, which are sort of, okay, that's a kind of insurance. That's fine. But but ordinary insurance, apart from the the few policies that are allowed under the benefit schemes, is prohibited. So what we need is national health insurance where the government pays the premiums for the indigent to get insured. (laughs) At the moment, this NHI idea is that the government will itself become a single provider and a single payer, in other words, to do to health what we have with ESKIM. (laughs) This is is, uh, ESKIM applied to health. I think that is a very strong argument. Do we need to gild the lily? No. It is, it is, <laughs> the minute you bring up ESCOM, people suddenly get it. Yeah. Okay. So, so to want to convert health, which works well, even the you know community hospitals and clinics. And I, I visit one in you know a place called uh, Kuruleni, where I go to a clinic, and it's fine. You know, mm. run by the government, and so many are. Mm. And it's not all bad. It's not all good. No, it depends Sometimes on who the manager in every case on, is. And, and on the staff yeah. and the wonderful people working there and so on. Canton, so we've got to NHI, <laughs> NHI is national health idiocy. Okay, and it'll cost us a trillion rand we don't have. Yes. It, well, it depends on what you mean by it. This is the silly thing about it. We have this bill before Parliament that doesn't define what health care is, doesn't yeah. define what they're going to do. They're going to do something in the future that the minister will decide from day to day. And so... Uh, if you add up, what does everybody consider healthcare? You personally, Pumi, yeah. Canton, me. It's it's buying pills, painkillers, plasters. Do they include that? Well, we don't think so. Is it just maybe hospitals? a breast reduction? Breast reduction. Is, 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 is it, is about it just primary care? Is it <coughs> psychology? Yeah. Is it yeah. what are they? Is it's it ambulance very, very services? Vague. Very vague. Okay, so we have this bill, and if you add up everything that everyone defines for themselves as healthcare, it comes to something like a trillion rand. That is to say, 
nearly half of the annual budget would have to go to healthcare if you have real healthcare. Now, this is the other thing is we already have universal healthcare as defined. In other words, everybody can right now go Walk to a into government a clinic. hospital yeah. and get treatment. What is it that they want to do? And the answer is they want to mess up something that currently works and make it even worse and destroy the private well, healthcare. And if you think about the stories coming out, you keep talking about Ekuruleni, out of Ekuruleni and what we have since learned because of the death of Babista Diokoran is actually just an exercise in creating an opportunity to loot. Mm. Correct. That's no. what we're talking mm. about. Spot on. Yes, I, 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 I'm afraid that I'm not... I love these conspiracy theories. I don't necessarily go with myself that somebody is sitting somewhere saying, let's create a way to loot. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's how these things work. But self-interests work. Yeah, sure. And what people see is that in the future, they will be in a very good position uh, if you can get this NHI, which you can't. It is impossible and it will never happen. Carl, Carl says, Canton, please, man, you don't shop at Woolies. Give me a break. I don't shop at Woolies. <laughs> you don't? I don't. You wouldn't lie about it. What bits were, you know? What are you talking who about? Who are you looking for points with? Well, what on earth am I going to shop at Woolies for? Well, look up. I'll, I'll tell you guys where I do most of my uh, my shopping. Okay, there's a place called Carreras that's out in Randburg. Okay, where I'll get a pocket of potatoes uh, for ninety rand, ten kilos of potatoes for ninety rand. Okay. And, you're, and you're a foodie. I'm a, I'm a foodie. Yeah. Okay. That's the yeah. wonderful yeah. thing about a competitive market. Absolutely. Is somewhere else <laughs> I knew we would have selling this. it cheap. <laughs> All right, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's your thing. Yeah. And you're not prepared to like uh, Look, I, I know, I know exactly like. where to go to get you know, various things. For example, you know, I'm, I'm very fond of, uh, of making spaghetti carbonara, which mm -hmm. requires guanciale, which is the cheek of the pork. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I could go um, across to this place on the on uh, on Benhof, uh, Totorini uh, Doro, which mm -hmm. has a fabulous deli, mm -hmm. and they sell guanciale out there at uh, 600 rand a kilo. Or I could schlep out to the Adriatic Shipping Company, which supplies nearly all of the Italian restaurants um, in Johannesburg, and pick it up there for 200 rand a kilo, which I do. You know, I mean, no, guys, the, the one is mentioned is a very fancy Italian restaurant. <laughs> yeah, but the point is, okay, this absurd dependence on Woolworths, yeah. okay, to sell you plastic bags because that's what they do, <laughs> okay, is because everything that they sell you except is, the bag, except the bag, is packaged in plastic. No, really, guys, okay. Boycott Woolworths, Including shut the guys down, and the world would be a better place. <laughs> Woolworths, Woolworths is is yeah. is the triumph of white South African incompetence, I must tell you, because <laughs> what they've done is they've taken shareholders' money from here, they've put it in Australia, and they burned I through that cash. I've never heard so much racism as on this show today. <laughs> Outrageous. Okay. You want to say something nope. before we move? So I want to go international because Canton's got a bug up his ass about some of these things. So we got to talk about. No, that. I don't have a bug. No, up you do. No more money for Ukraine. You say fantastic thing. Okay, consider this. Okay, the speaker of the uh, this always gets you lots speaker, of heat in the comments. The speaker of the Canadian Parliament is out of a job. Why? Because he let a Nazi come and be because saluted. of support for Ukraine. Right. Okay. <laughs> the speaker of the House of Representatives in, America, in the U.S. Out is out of a job. Why? Because he was supporting Ukraine. He was striking a deal with the Republicans, uh, become, with the Democrats behind the scenes. It's become radioactive. It has become radioactive. And wherever you go in the world right now, okay, you, you are seeing um, 
Uh, the, let's uh, just be clear yeah. here, Canton. You're not telling us this because you are pro-Russia. No. You are telling us this because this is what's happening. This is absolutely what Americans is Americans are not interested in spending any more money on securing the happiness and contentment of Vladimir Zelensky. Well, it's, it's, not just the, you're it's not just the Americans, okay? So the Hungarians have been on that um, uh, for a while. Okay, so you look in terms of um, uh, Slovakia, the, the Slovak Republic has mm-hmm. had elections. Okay, the guy who has come into power came in on the basis of no more money for Ukraine. Okay, and he swept to, uh, to victory on that, uh, that particular point. This thing has become the single most toxic sinkhole in the world. Right for politicians. Now. Yeah. Okay. Um, you mentioned the Speaker McCarthy being ousted. Does this mean... It's the a, first time in the history of the US that a Speaker yeah, has been but, removed. But, but who... But I think he's been removed not primarily because of Ukraine, but because of no, opposing actually, the no, government no, shutdown. No, 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 not at all. There was no, a no, bill. No. There's a big bill. No, no. What, 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 yeah. what happened was that the, the Republicans had, had agreed... They would continue funding the U.S. government only if all reference to Ukraine was removed from the bill. And McCarthy went behind the scenes with the Democrats and he said, don't worry, we'll pass through this bill now. But then we're going to submit a second bill around Ukraine that we're going to get through the back door. And his colleagues in the Republican Party got to hear about this and they said, not a like, chance. dude, what the fuck? We, we mm. had agreed this was not going to happen. So they asked him. For the f- and yeah, it's the first time in the history of the United States, that a sitting speaker has been removed from office. This is not boring to you, Leon. Mm. Amazing. No, no, I, I look for, <laughs> it's an area, I stick to what I know. Okay. And I'm All not right. an expert on well, Ukraine and Russia. Here's a, or, subject, or here's a subject that I am certainly not an expert on. In fact, I avoid even having an opinion on this subject because it is extremely controversial, worse than anything else we've touched on today. And that's saying something. Pumi, Canton wants to ask you a question about black women wearing Indian hair. This is a big thing for him. I mean, Why is I, that a thing? I am not a spokesperson for black women. No, no but he <laughs> said Pumi, he wants to ask you. So I, I, I am not a, I'm Pumi, not a spokesperson I'm for black women. No, Pumi, I'm but you. I'm asking you precisely because I'm not a black woman. And so <laughs> I want to know what is this thing that black women have with Indian hair? Well, once again, I am not a spokesperson for black women. Do we have any ideas from your side? No, I don't. And, you know, hence my asking the question. It's an honest question. Well, I mean, well do Leon, you not know any black women? Lots. So have you asked them? She, yes. He's have asking you one now. I'm wearing synthetic hair. I'm f- have you seen me with Indian women? I have, I have no so idea. Let me, let me ask, uh, <laughs> ask Leon, is this not just an effect of a free market? Someone wants something someone else has, they're prepared to pay for it, sell it to them. Exactly. And I'm in favor of people being uh, eccentric, doing different things. The way all of us are eccentric, it's just in no. different ways and ways we wouldn't admit to on air. I mean, can't so I'm in favor of I'm in favor of cross-cultural, intercultural, and if black women want to have Indian hair, Indian women want to have black hair. My wife used to wear braided hair like that, you're like yours. <laughs> and uh, so uh, absolutely, I'm, I'm, uh, I think it's great. We don't that people I want do. to want to pilfer each other's cultural ideas. <laughs> I do think, though, that the you know the economy of aesthetics. Yeah, huge business. Black women or any other kind of person, right? The economy around that is one that is worth billions and billions of dollars, mm. and because of that, there are many images 
that are sold as um, aspirational. Mm-hmm. And those aspirations is what people buy into. So it happens I to mean, be Indian women's hair. The example I want to give is that there are so many men now who are flying to Turkey to get him hair implants, right? I mean, that's a whole other thing. So it's in the same category. <laughs> and if some Turkish guy wants to uh, you know, sell his hair or they're getting it from somewhere else, I don't know, Brazil, <laughs> wherever they get the hair, I mean, <laughs> it's, not, it's no longer a situation where someone is being exploited for this. There's an economic transaction, which most of the time we can pretty much say is uh, value swap. So if we can sell hair, hair though, so the hairy. next question is, if we can sell hair, why not sell other body parts as well? Well, now, is, well, that, is that unethical? I'm absolutely in favor of that too. Uh-huh. Really, if you need a liver and someone else is prepared to sell it yeah, so a family can live… A finger. Uh, Maria, the, the woman whose finger was pulled <laughs> off in Yeovil, some philanthropist might say, I'm going to have a finger transplant for her. Buy a finger from some old person who's got fatal cancer, young person who's fatally ill. Yeah. And perhaps this is where 3D printing saves yeah, the day. Again. No, 3D printing and AI, this is all wonderful stuff for the future where we'll print body parts. Yeah. But I'm all in favor of people being able to trade and people do. They trade air, they trade. And they're going to anyway. They're going regardless to. of your laws, right? Yeah. I mean, you could probably buy some of this stuff already in the CBD. Just have to know where to look. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I can see no reason why this is considered a problem. Uh, uh, well, I, we I don't know. Brains I mean, at the same time yeah, as printing those body I, I don't parts. know, though, Leon. You know, even I, as a free market capitalist, do think that there is abuse by some very bad actors. You know, you hear these terrible stories about human trafficking, and some woman oh, wakes yeah. up in a bath without a kidney. You know, to me, that's not free market yes. capitalism. And you, you believe it or not, I was fed a date rape drug. You were? Yes. Who was trying to date rape you, Leon? What? In, 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 uh, in Los Angeles at a conference. Los Angeles? I was given a date rape drug and it was a mistake. It was meant for the lady next to me. <laughs> but what happened is the guy laced her drink. He went off to make a call. She said to me, you don't have a drink, have mine. She ordered another one. I drank it. Wow. And it was quite an experience. So the point is you're absolutely right. This is why the law is clear. And this is, if I may say, is jurisprudence, not philosophy. This is not about principles. This is about how the law must find out there was informed consent, genuine consent. The person wasn't under undue pressure. They weren't manipulated. They weren't drugged. They weren't mentally ill. They weren't this and that. And if, for example, you, Gareth Cliff, are willing to sell one of your body parts, you you pass all the psychological tests. You're clearly willing to do it. You know what Mm -hmm. the implications are. There's no duress. No duress, I'm sure you would be in favor well, of that being lawful. I, uh, I, I got an extra kidney. I mean, if it was worth it. Mm. I'm not the kind of person, though, to be on any kind of registry. Although so. it is a very, very, very slippery slope because what what does duress mean? If you are extremely poor and need to buy food for your children, is that not duress to sell yes. your kidney? I think with the right amount of psychological intervention and clearance and counseling that it's I'm in favor of the poor and I think the people who should be able to do more things than they're currently allowed is precisely the poor. And if that's the way to get your children educated or the way to care for your your relative who has a deadly and the market disease. Will, the market will put uh, a value on that. The rich people can do all of that. You see, I don't really And they're care currently about doing the it from Ukraine. Mm. Yeah. The rich the people. The traffic in body parts from Ukraine. Really the rich now is people horrendous. don't have a problem. 
No. We need to care about the poor and the right of the poor to improve their quality of life. That is banned to this day and it is despicable. Someone in the comments here says, Bongingema says, it's not the Bongingema, but uh, very good question, Canton. <laughs> I've asked my wife and she also told me I won't understand. About the, the hair, hair, the well, hair thank thing. You, yeah. Thank you. I'm not the only person mm. you know, who, who just doesn't Derek, get this thing. Derek says women are donating eggs. It's already happening. Mm-hmm. Get that? Mm-hmm. Guys, guys are donating sperm. Well, yeah, donating is an inexhaustible supply of sperm. No, but (laughs) Gareth, remember, donating Donating is is different to selling. Donating is different to selling. Because remember, I I donated my hair to the Cancer Society. Sperm is sold. Mm. There's a market in sperm. You you pay, you you buy the sperm. Especially if you've got good quality stuff. It used to be something like, it's about 2,000 rand per donation. (laughs) Without assistance, (laughs) that's if you do it yourself. And uh, so there is a trade and you go and you choose. There is a register. I want an accountant. I want a lawyer. I want a broadcaster. I want someone of this race, a socioeconomic group. And they match them. Now, I I happen to know a fair amount about the sperm uh, industry and it doesn't matter why, but it is traded and it is very interesting how it works, how the matches are made. They, mm. they seek people with similar eye color, similar right. hair color, similar There's height. a little bit of a so that, and, and they make the man Designer baby feel. Thing. They make the man <laughs> feel as if it is. Because yeah. they match the right. sperm <laughs> they make the with, with, no, with the know. husband or a partner. Yeah. So Congo Chris says, my <laughs> hair is 3 Gareth's hair is 3D printed. That's why it never changes. You, well, you got me. That's why I, you know, <laughs> you got me. And uh, please can we ask the question, uh, just as a final thought on this, when should be the end date for BEE? Pumi saying it protects whites, surely we must end it tomorrow. That's saint. Uh, do you want to have the last uh, go at that? Uh, when to end BEE? Mm. I, I would end racism immediately. It should have ended in 94. Then yeah. what you do is you say, how do we overcome the legacy of apartheid? That's a different thing entirely. And that is with training, that's with uh, even uh, things like affirmative action, which is not BE, not the same thing at all. Mm-hmm. You get people into positions, you train them, you develop them, and it should be on merit, it shouldn't be on skin color, and it should be to overcome the legacy of apartheid. In other words, get people who are victims of apartheid out of that victimhood. You don't do that by creating a few trillionaires. Okay, very succinct answer. Anything to uh, Well, add? I say get rid of BE and replace poverty as the marker. So if you're going to empower people, use poverty. So the overwhelming majority of uh, poor people in this country happen to be black. Mm-hmm. But make poverty the marker rather yeah, than I race. Address poverty. Stop addressing BE. Okay. Get it. It's, drop it. Anything Deal else with the poor. Uplift the poor. Generate I, I, economic I, I promised 15 minutes. We've gone for 17. Pumi, last word. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. We, we have to eradicate poverty. We have to give opportunities to all South Africans. And really, our biggest problem in this country is unemployment. And we have to find ways to solve that. Open up the labor market to stop telling people what they have to pay as a minimum. Mm. Let people earn whatever they can, wherever they can. That's what we all want to do anyway. They call us hustlers if we don't. I mean, if we do, and losers if we don't. So, thank you all. Uh, this has been fascinating. We've gone from like 
Russia, Ukraine, to property ownership, to uh, hair, to uh, <laughs> like yeah, body parts. <laughs> Selling body parts. Leon to being feed date your ra- family. Leon being date raped. I mean, <laughs> no, 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 no. Roofied. He wasn't. <laughs> it was roofied. All right. Anyway, I mean, fascinating discussion. Leon, thanks. Always good to see you. And um, thanks for updating us. Of course, Leon is now with the Freedom Foundation. We can find out more about you online. And we will put all the links up on the Burning Platform podcast this morning. Canton's book will be out soon. Absolutely. You, you've got a, I, you've got I a, saw him leaning over. I thought yeah, he was going to like hold up the book to say, look at my just book. like a teaser. A teaser. Oh, okay, let me, let me grab Let's book. see this. A teaser from Canton. You know, just show us what he's working on here. Free advertising, and it's a very, it's a very modest book to solve all the problems. Yeah, he's going to fix the whole country. How to fix South Africa? And anyone who's listened to the show regularly knows that he means it. Yeah, I like that. An owner's manual: how to fix South Africa, and forward by Michael Jordan. Which is why you mentioned him. Good for you. No, it's not why I mentioned him. I wanted someone who was not, you know, politically tainted. You know? Okay, I think that's good. Oh, well think done, Kenton. Yeah. I hope it's a huge seller. Yeah, I hope so too. You know, so too. you know, frankly, if if even one of the ideas gets adopted, I'm very happy to give the things away. I'll do but a deal with you. You do a recall test on one of my books that you've read, and I'll do a recall test on yours. Um, uh, uh, a history of the ANC South Africa belongs to us. <laughs> recall <laughs> test. <laughs> All right, everybody. Which, which I quoted about you the know lies what I, surrounding culture. You know what I've really enjoyed about this morning is that we haven't spent a lot of time talking about party politics. There was mention of Chris Pappas. There were some mentions of municipalities that have been run badly, but we haven't spent – the whole time talking about personality politics within the parties, which is just such a dead end. And it seems like our media in this country is obsessed in an unhealthy way with that mm. in particular. We've talked about practical stuff. I think it's it's really refreshing to have this conversation. Thank you all. That's all we got time for. I'm sorry. I saw a comment earlier saying we're all going to be late because the show's running late, but eh. You could have listened to the podcast, but we are glad can. you stayed for the whole thing. You still can. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cliff Central. Dot com.